enough and it's time for a change! I have so much anger. I feel like I've been raped. In the face! At no point in your rambling were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Element of Surprise. Um, yeah, it's been a while since the last episode, and I'm sorry for that. I was uh, feeling ill, but we're back. We're back, and we're right back to it. So, my name's Chadwick Suet. I'm your host, and uh, where can you find us? You can find us, the Element of Surprise, at uh, facebook.com backslash EOS Mentally Irregular. That's our uh, homepage. You can join the Element of Surprise group from there. Um, I definitely invite you all to do so. Uh, if you want to hear the show, you can go to eosmentallyirregular.podomatic.com. Um, you can subscribe to us through iTunes, and we are now on Spotify as well. So you can listen to us in three different areas. Plus, I always put the new episodes up on the Facebook page and in the group. So... Um, if you want to reach me personally, try and get in touch with me through the Facebook page or the group. Um, or you can email me at element.2017 at yahoo.com. So, all that being said, let's, um, let's rock and roll, gang. Let's get right to it. we got a big episode today and uh, a lot of stuff that we got to cover. We're going to start off with, um, you know, as I said I, uh, in the past few episodes, I was actually... Um, I've been looking for a new job. I got uh, laid off at the previous job. Um, you know, not in, through no fault of my own, just low man on the totem pole. And, you know, it is what it is. You can't really control any of that. But, hey, it, it is what it is. So I've been looking for a new job, and uh, I did get one. I did. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy with my new job. But, uh, you know, there's I went on so many job interviews, and... Uh, it's just a redundancy after a while of job interviews. Like, you just know what all the questions are going to be. Oh, hi, what's your name? Okay, tell me about working here. Tell me about working there. Okay, where do you see yourself in five years? What about 10? What about 25 years? Where do you see yourself in 50 years? Well, you know, what can I say? I can, you know, I'm a 35-year-old geeky, crazy fuck who uh, was able to procreate through some miracle of, uh, you know, I guess God intervened in that one, if you believe in such a thing. And, um, you know, I just I, I just need to work. I need to work to make a living for my family. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a hard worker. Where do I see myself in five years? Uh... You know, my experience, I don't have the luxury of looking that far ahead. Um, hopefully alive, with a roof over my head and some money in the bank to put food in the fridge and keep the roof over my head. Um, 
you know, ideally in a, in a perfect world, ideally, I guess you could say I'd like to own a house and, you know, uh, be able to provide the, the luxuries, not just the, the necessities, but the luxuries for my family that, uh, you know, everybody wants, you know, but, uh, you know, I don't have the, I, I don't have the luxury of looking that far ahead at any point in time. I never have. And, uh, you know, I, in my personal point of view, I don't think anybody should ever look that far ahead. It's good to have long-term goals and ideals, but, you know, you got to plan for X factors. Like, if you'd have told me in January that in a month I'd be out of work just because I was one of the newest hires and you know, they had to let go from the bottom up, I would have, you know, fucking started planning for shit based off that. But you can't plan for that. There are always X factors and, you know, the thing about corporations is they don't like to let the employees know what's going on until last minute, if at all. They will bide their time from the top and work their way down throughout the ranks until you're sitting there at work one day and they're like, hey, come here, we got to talk to you. Oh, you know what? You're doing a great job and we want to say thank you for working as hard as you have and putting in the uh, the effort that you do is you know we're we're really pleased with what you, you what you do for us. Oh, thank you. I I appreciate that. You know I, I put my best foot forward. I put my effort in, and you know I'm I'm really happy to be a part of this company. Yeah. Well, you know it's 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 that that you know kind of sucks because you know we we have to let people go, and you just ha- you just don't have the time in. You're still you know learning, and uh, we're we're sorry, but you know in a few months give us a call. And, uh, you know, we might be able to get you back in at that point in time. But right now we just don't have the, the, the volume of work needed to retain as many employees as we currently have. Oh, okay. Well, that really fucking sucks. Anyway, so, you know, there, 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 there is the problem. So you go on these job interviews, you, you set yourself up and you, 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 you dress up and you go and you meet with these people who are in charge of these other other companies or offices or, you know, retail stores or wherever, whatever it is that you choose to do for a job, whatever your preferred profession is. And you meet with them and they sit you down and, you know, they, they shake your hand and they, the first question out of their mouth is, so what brought you, what, what made you think that, uh, that we were, that, that you'd want to work for us? Easy answer. I need a job. Very simple. Okay. Um, but that's not what they want to hear. They want to hear, oh, well, you know what? I, I see you have a good corporate structure and, uh, you know, you've got a lot of stability and that's what I'm looking for. I want to put down roots and, you know, I'm looking I, I'm, I'm looking for something for the long haul. And, you know, you don't bring up money at all during an interview. That's, that's bad. The only time that should be discussed in an interview is when uh, they're telling you about their payment plan and, you know, you should glaze over the actual salary as much as you can and get straight on to, like, you know, benefits and 401k and shit like that if they're available because they don't want to talk about money. You do not want to give them the impression that you're only there for a paycheck because they're going to go to the next guy who they feel is there to help the company as a a whole and not looking out for themselves. But, you know, the truth is is that we're all looking out for ourselves. You know, I mean, I, I... Remember, there was a, the movie um, They Live, John, John Carpenter's They Live, with Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, Keith David, and they're talking to each other at the beginning of the movie, and uh, Keith David lays down, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but he lays down this um, 
this little monologue to Roddy Piper about how, you know, everybody's supposed to watch everybody's back. And, you know, they want people to work together because that's how a company grows as a whole. But at the same time, they kind of put you in a race against each other, you know. And there, there, there's the irony in it is that, yeah, I'm here. I got your back if you need me and we'll work together and we'll make a great team. But I'm always going to be looking over my back at you waiting for you to stab me in the back for the bigger, better deal. And, um, you know, that just that sums up like the whole ideology of it all is, you know, and again, the, the, the whole redundancy of job interviews, it doesn't matter where you go. The, all the interviews are the same. You know, I've worked in the automotive business. I've worked in offices. I've worked in warehouses. I've worked in retail stores. And the interviews are all the same. You know, what brings you here? What makes you think uh, you, you'd be good, a good fit for this position? Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, what are some of your long-term goals? Yada, yada, yada. Same questions, different color shirt. And that's basically it. Same, same questions, different color shirt. But, uh, you know, it gets redundant to the point where after, after you've been on uh, so many interviews, you go in there and you're, 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 um, you're burnt out. You're burnt out from in the interview process as a whole. And, you know, you get there and you know what's coming and you're almost answering before they ha- get the question out of your mouth. So, like... The job I got, I, I can tell you that the interview went a little something like this. Okay, Chad, thanks for coming in today. So, um, what brings you in? And I'm like, okay, listen, I am 35 years old. I have a, you know, experience. I have five years experience in sales, 12 experience years experience in customer service. I um, know that's what you guys are looking for, and I know that with my skills, what I offer, you know, of course, uh, being applied to the differences in your business structure than what I'm where I come from can be applied and uh, used for, you know, to your benefit, to the company's benefit. And, uh, you know, I, I I feel that I bring a hell of a lot to the table, pardon my language, and, uh, you know, you wouldn't have to focus so much on training me as you would just getting me used to the way your business runs, as opposed to someone off the street with no experience who you'd have to train and do this. And I can see where someone off the street might be beneficial because they're a clean slate. You can paint them however you want, but you're also going to have to watch them and you know make sure that they're applying their skills appropriately and stuff like that. Whereas I have these skills already. I bring them to the table. I, I lay my I lay my supplies out before you and just allow you to choose which ones you want and which ones you don't. And uh, you know it just goes like that to the point where after you're burnt out, you know, you, you know you basically just want to go in there and be like, listen. I got bills to pay. I got I got to keep a roof over my head. I have a six-year-old, and uh, you know I need to get gas in the car. I need to put food in the fridge. I need food for my my kid's belly and my fiance's belly, and you know if there's time afterward, my own belly. And uh, you have an opening, so you can provide me that money for food. But you don't. You can't ever say that. Anyway, it's uh, it's just become funny to me. The you know I never noticed before that uh, all these job interviews, no matter where you go, are just redundant and the same. You could go to McDonald's. You could walk into a McDonald's and they will put you through the same interview that like a Fortune, fi- Fortune 500 uh, marketing adver- advertisement agency will put you through. And one of the jobs is considered a, a garbage shit job, but the other job is considered like prestigious. And, you know, 
meanwhile, it's like the McDonald's people work a hell of a lot harder and a hell of a lot more than the marketing ad agency guys. They just have to, you know, come up with a good idea and pitch it, you know, come up with a few ideas and pitch that idea. You know, I can do that. But, uh, you know, I can I can also bust my ass a hell of a lot harder like the McDonald's people do. So I don't know. It's just it's a it's a very redundant process when you really look down at it, when you really look at it. Um, and compare one in one one job to another. It's always the jobs are always very different. But whenever you compare the interview process for those different jobs, it's always very much the same. And um, it's it gets to be again very very redundant. So I thought that was uh, funny and worth talking about. Um, okay, moving on. I, I've noticed that the you ever watch the dealerships like you know every, every other commercial on TV is like a car commercial you know. And the ones that are from the manufacturers, like a Ford or a Nissan or a Honda, those are always really, like, you know, expensively produced commercials, and they're put together, and, like, the car flies out of outer space, and it's a comet, and uh, it lands on the road, and it's, it's gone. And it, it, it's gone, it's got perfect traction, and then you get, like, a voice, and it's like, the new Lincoln SRX, it comes from space. If you drive it, you'll feel like you're driving a spaceship. It's very cool. But then you get the ones that are about from dealerships, like local dealerships, and they are they, they have like no production value. They don't want, they have no budget to produce anything, and it's very poorly done. Like my favorite ones are the ones that are uh, um, Richard Bazzi from Schultz Ford in uh, Wexford and Harmerville, and he's got the cowboy hat and yells "Yeehaw!" and uh, He's always got, uh, because of the cowboy hat, he's always got a shadow over his face. No one's ever seen his real face before because the hat shadows it. And he gets on there and he talks like he just did, like he just snorted a half pound of coke and immediately said, hit the camera, turn it on, start recording. And he gets up there and he's like... Woo-hoo! Yeehaw! This is Richard Bassey from Schultz Ford and Harmerville, Schultz Ford, Schultz, Schultz Ford and Wexford. Have you gotten a new truck? Well, we got new trucks down here. Come on down and get test drive a new truck. Do you, I, do you think I sound like a cokehead? I sound like a cokehead. If you come test drive a new co- new truck, we got coke in the, in the glove box for you. We, we'll, we'll bring a cokehead to your truck. You drive your, your truck down. Bring your kids. Bring your coke. Bring your coke. We'll snort coke off your kids and do with the tr- and, and drive the trucks. Bring your truck straight down to Cokeville. I'm Richard Bassey, the Schultz Ford, the Schultz Ford King of, of Ford County with coke come on down to my coke house and we'll make some coke out of a truck and you know that's the way he does it goes about it and it's fucking ridiculous he just rants and raves and then yeah throws in his yeehaws and uh you know and then you get like monroeville kia who i actually used to work for in their um their internet sales department and uh they they've decided uh, if you've listened to any of the previous episodes i've done I've, i've been talking a lot about sesame street and the muppets and how i want to do like a muppet based uh, crime show, but uh, they, they've decided that a, that a Muppet with uh, creepy, creepy-ass fucking eyes is going to be their spokesperson now, and they show it driving a car and anything, and then at the end, the Muppet does the whole Kermit the Frog shake and its arms thing, it's like, we want to see you in a Kia, and it's like, they think that that is, that's, that's their sales, that's their sales tactic, that's their marketing ploy, is to bring in this Muppet and have it yell at people with its, you know, its, cre- its creepy dead eyes that look a little depressed, in all honesty. Like, uh, for those of you around the Pittsburgh, Monroeville, uh, Plum, Murraysville area, g- if you get a chance to watch the either uh, uh, Richard Bazzi Schultz Sport commercial or Monroeville Kia commercial, do it 
and look at it. Um, ob don't look at it like a prospective buyer. Look at it just objectively and look for the things that I'm telling you about now because they are ridiculous. There was the one, um, I forget what dealership it was from, but there was the one around Groundhog's Day that uh, had the guy that kept popping up out of a groundhog hole like uh, Punxsutawney Phil. Now, keep in mind, the background to this was animated. This was just like a picture that they animated and they, you know, and then they have a live action guy jumping out of a hole and he's like, it's like, it's the deal! And, you know, he just keeps popping up and yelling, it's a deal! Like, up out of the hole. Like, they t they tell you, they'd be like, $2,000 off the new uh, new Honda Civic! And then he'd pop up and be like, it's a deal! And, you know, that was supposed to be like their Groundhog's Day marketing, and it was ridiculous. So, if you watch any advertisements for car dealerships, they're, they're, they're ridiculous. They're funny. And I, I, I get a real kick out of them. Like, I, I honestly, I look forward to certain ones more than I actually look forward to, like, the commercials being over and the show coming back on. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, you know, I'm not a big advocate for dressing up your pets. Um, that's not something I usually do. But uh, as you've heard me talk about on this show, I, I talk about this cat that wandered out of the woods and straight into our hearts, apparently. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, I talk about how the cat likes to lick farts off of the... Uh, off of the couch, like you'll sit on the couch and you'll blow out some hot farts, and then as soon as you get up, the cat will go over to where you were sit. We're just sitting and farting, sniff around, and then start licking that area of the couch. Well, I was at this uh, Salvation Army thrift store, because uh, it's one of my hobbies, is I like to go to thrift stores and see what kind of weird shit I can find, so that way maybe I could talk about it on the show. Um, I talked about going to the Goodwill and finding Hillary, the coloring book, which is still my, uh, I still haven't been able to find anything better than that. But uh, I did find like a shirt for like an infant, like an like an infant newborn, like a six to eight months old, like baby, and uh, it has a star on it, and it says shine. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get this and put it on the cat. And I did, and the cat fucking like it just let me put the shirt on. It it I think it likes it, and um, it's just been walking around in it for the past day and a half now, wearing this green shirt that with, a, with a happy baby star on it that says shine, and it's ridiculous. Uh, if you want, I, I have put a picture of this up on the Element of Surprise group on the Facebook page, so feel free to check that out. Um, but it's, it's got me thinking that I, I now think that my new hobby is, one of my new hobbies in my free time is going to be finding clothes, like ridiculous outfits to put this cat in, just because... I'm not one of those people who's doing it seriously. I'm going to be like the guy that's doing it um, ironically, you know. But uh, at the same time, I'm still putting clothes on a cat. So, you know, I guess I kind of fell into the trap there. But, uh, you know, I, uh, it's just, the cat hasn't really done anything unique or special. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Yeah, um, you know, recently, because I guess because of the winter and, like, you know, having the heat on in the house and the dry heat, the cat has become like a magnet for static electricity. <laughs> And every time you go to pet it, every time it walks by and you reach your hand down to pet it or it wants attention, you, you accidentally shock the cat because of how much static electricity it's got built up in its body. And it screams. It goes, Row! And, and runs off. But it does it to itself because it just can't help building up all the static electricity in its body. And I, I find that hilarious. I, I like I like that the cat is inadvertently being electrocuted from time to time. It's It's... It's like that scene in Lethal Weapon where they got Mel Gibson tied up and they, they're shocking him with a car battery. But, uh, just to a cat. Um, 
Okay, uh, well, um, today is the 24th of March. It has been a week since St. Saint, since Saint Patrick's Day. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that everybody celebrates St. Patrick's Day. The ones of us that go do celebrate St. Patrick's Day, you know, it's... Uh, you go out, you drink your green beer, you, you party, you wear your green hat and your green shirt. And, you know, oh, good old St. Patrick. Oh, he uh, celebrating him with your green beer and killing your brain cells. Uh, he, he drove the snakes out of Ireland. And, you know, I, I just want to let you guys know that uh, all of that, all of that that you do for St. Patrick's Day is, is, is wrong. It's, it's bullshit and it's a lie. Uh, the real story of St. Patrick's Day is actually uh far more sinister like i'm gonna i've got uh a bunch of facts here about saint patrick you know first off uh saint patrick was not irish uh he was actually born in what is now uh england or wales um he was he was not irish at all and uh you know all this green all this green people get put you, you know a green clover a green shamrock or clover on and uh you know they're like oh saint patrick's day they get give me your green scarf and your leprechaun hat and your uh you know let's get a four-leaf clover and kiss the blarney stone and that's think that green was not saint patrick's color that color was actually chosen because of like the rolling green fields in ireland but uh saint patrick's actual color was was blue they called it saint patrick blue and so, you know, wearing green is just, you know, you're just ridiculous. That's not even the color of St. Patrick. Um, the, the celebration for St. Patrick's Day that we know was actually invented in the United States. It was invented in America in the uh, 18th century uh, with, with uh, large Irish immigrant populations. Um, you know, they said it was a good way to honor the saint but confirm their ethnic identity and create bonds of solidarity. It wasn't... Uh, anything about driving the snakes out of Ireland. They're, 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 Ireland's too cold for snakes. There was never never any snakes in Ireland. So, you know, anybody that tells you that, they're full of shit and they need to do, their, uh, they need to do some research. Um, yeah, there were never any snakes in Ireland. Also, uh, you know, we celebrated every year on March 17th, which is actually the day that St. Patrick died. So we're, we're celebrating his death. Um, yeah. Um, and going back to the, the, the symbol, you know, we all see these four-leaf clovers and these shamrocks, and, you know, that's actually not the symbol of, the, uh, of Ireland. The real symbol is a harp, like the musical instrument, a harp. And uh, believe it or not, St. Patrick's Day used to be a, um, a, a dry holiday until 1970. Um, because all the pubs in Ireland were actually closed in observance of the religious feast of the day. So, you know, and the, that feast had nothing to do with corned beef and cabbage, because that's not a traditional Irish dish. It was, uh, it's about, that's about as Irish as uh, spaghetti and meatballs is. So, you know, uh, the original thing was, uh, I forget what it was actually called in Ireland, but it was basically like fat, bat, ba- fat back bacon is here in the U.S. And, um, you know, that, uh, like, whenever the uh, immigrants started, se- you know, came over to America and started celebrating this, uh, you know, that bacon was too, too expensive. So, but they could get, they could afford cabbage and corned beef. That was very cheap. So, there, there you go. And, um, you know, we consider this an Irish holiday, but there are actually more Irish people living in the U.S. today than there are in Ireland. So, um, there are about 4.2 million 
people living in Ireland, and there are about 34 million people of Irish descent in America today. Um, on top of that, on top of that, you know, uh, let, let me tell you what St. Patrick was really famous for. You know, the the story of him driving the snakes from Ireland, where that came from. Um, there was a tribe of pygmies from northern Egypt called the Twa. I don't know, Twa, I guess, T-W-A, pygmies, and they were in Ireland. And, um, you know, uh, the, the Twa's were a group of, um, a, a tribe of pygmy, uh, Egyptian immigrant pygmies that lived in Ireland before, uh, any of us, uh, any of us white folk got over there. And, um, what St. Patrick's did, you know, since they were Egyptian, they followed like the Egyptian, they believed in the Egyptian gods and everything like that. So they would wear like Egyptian headdresses, which if you look back at your Egyptian history and you look at all the pharaohs and everything, there was always a small snake on the top of their headdress. And so these guys, these uh, pygmies, uh, who stood maybe about three, between three and four feet tall, um, wore these little snakes on their head. And, um, you know, so St. Patrick comes in and finds out, oh, what do they do? Okay, well, we got these tiny people living in the hills, uh, you know, and that's where you get your leprechauns from. And, you know, oh, they got these snakes, and they, they, they look like they don't worship our Christian gods. So what did he do to, to rectify this is he created, he, he went and uh, basically uh, went on um, a, a killing spree and committed mass genocide against these pygmy tribes. And that's the story of him driving the snakes from Ireland. And so the legend of these pygmies over there, of these short little guys who, you know, wore wore gold, uh, wore all this gold stuff, and you know, would did did believe these other gods that seemed like it was magic to people, uh, you know, in these bright colors like the rainbow. They they are your your leprechauns. That's where you got leprechauns from. So. Um, you know that's a fact. You can you can Google that. You can look that up. That is, that's a fact. And so you know, whenever we go out and we celebrate St. Patrick's Day and we kill our brain cells with a, uh, with our green beer and uh, you know we get all blackout drunk and dress up like leprechauns and you know stuff like that. We're actually celebrating the date the de- date of death of a man who was uh, you know. Uh, murderer for the church for the christian church basically and who was given sainthood but uh you know so happy happy saint patrick's day to y'all i hope y'all had a great saint patrick's day now you can celebrate it correctly next year whether you're blue and celebrate the mass genocide of an entire race of people um okay moving on um i watched weekend at bernie's this week and uh I love that fucking movie. I love Weekend at Bernie's. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. But I was watching it this this week, and like, you know, I was always aware of what the plot was, but it it hit me in an abstract way when I was watching it this week. I'm like, this whole movie is just about defiling a corpse. Like, I mean, yeah, there's the plot about oh, Bernie was killed for embezzling from the mob and or for his company from the mob, and the mob didn't want him to be tied to them, so they killed him, and the two guys get there, and he's dead, and they think that he's they, they hired someone to kill them, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, the whole movie is just them defiling a corpse. Like, they drag it around with them, and, you know, there's, there's, there's a scene on the speedboat. You know, no, nobody in the movie seems to be aware that Bernie is dead, aside from um, the, the two main guys. And, uh, you know, that's where the comedy comes in, but... What's what's hilarious to me is if you really watch it, it's um, 
you know, when the, these same guys that know he's dead, they, they at one point use a staple gun to staple his hair back, his hair piece back on. Um, they bury him. They carry his corpse around with them for two days and uh, try to convince people that he's alive. Uh, for their own safety, um, they, they strap him into the back of a boat. And then he falls off of the boat, and they, they, they're cr- moving the boat at high speeds, and they're crashing his body into the, uh, the, the, the buoys, the, the dinghies that float out there and have the bells on it. And uh, his body's crashing into them and everything like that at full force, and not, with enough trauma to decimate his, his uh, now-bloated, sea-soaked corpse. And they, uh, they react, they're like, Up, oh, what, well, man overboard! Oh, Bernie! Bernie! Get back in the boat, like like he's alive and has some sort of control over this, but he he doesn't because he's a corpse. And um, you know it's it's just funnier now that I've watched it with the, that that mindset. Um, you know my, I I always enjoyed Weekend at Bernie's too as well, which people said was an inferior sequel where they uh, try to reanimate him and he he does the Bernie walk. I put a, a clip of the Bernie walk on the Facebook group page as well for you all to check out. Um, you probably have by now, but, uh, you know, go ahead, check it out and, uh, enjoy the, the Bernie, the Bernie dance from, uh, weekend at Bernie's too. Um, okay. New segment. I, I decided that I'm going to devote time in each episode to, uh, talking about a retro video game from like the old Sega Genesis original Nintendo era. I might get into super Nintendo and stuff like that at some point, but you know, right now I want to stick with the classics. And so I put a poll up on the, uh, in the group page for you to vote. And uh, it was actually a tie between uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! and Super Mario Bros. 3. So I've decided to talk about both. And I'm going to start with Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! or I'm going to start with Super Mario Bros. 3 and save uh, Punch-Out! for last. Um, so Mario Bros. 3, you know, everybody knows the Super Mario Bros. games and their classics, you know, everyone knows who Mario and Luigi are. But, uh, you know, Mario 3, the, the whole plot of it is Mario and Luigi are on a quest to save Princess Toadstool again. And uh, the rulers of seven different kingdoms from, you know, King Bowser and his children. Um, you play as Mario Luigi. You defeat enemies by stomping on them or using items to bestow magical powers. Uh, Mario and Luigi have uh, a wider range of ability- abilities than in previous games. Uh, they can, you know, catch a, catch a leaf and turn into a raccoon person. And they can fly. Uh, it's got um, new enemies, different world maps, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the whole plot of it is in the in the instruction booklet and I read this and it goes like this. I'm going to read the instruction booklet plot to you now. The mushroom world is invaded by the Koopalings, Bowser's seven children. The Koopalings conquer each of the seven kingdoms by stealing its king's magical wand and using it to transform him into an animal. Princess Toadstool sends Mario and Luigi to travel to each kingdom and retrieve the stolen wands so they can restore the kings to normal. They receive notes and special items from the princess after rescuing each of the first six kings. When they rescue the seventh, they instead receive a note from Bowser, boasting that he has kidnapped the princess and imprisoned her within his own castle in the realm of the Dark Land. They travel to the Dark Land, enter his castle, defeat him. The game ends with her being freed from the castle. Very, very simple plot. Um, you know, but uh, one of my favorite things was all the suits that you could get in uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 was, I think it had the widest range of suits for Mario, was, you know, you had the, the leaf that turned you into raccoon, you had the frog suit that could make you swim and jump higher. You had the uh, the 
the Tanuki suit, which a lot of people don't know what that is. It's a Japanese reference from the game being made in Japan uh, and its original Japanese origins. That's the the, rac- the you know the the suit that looks like the raccoon suit, but it's a full body suit. They, that's called a Tanuki. Uh, it's an old Japanese raccoon dog legend. They apparently have the ability to turn into stone as well, which is why whenever you hold down, you turn in that that stone pillar. Um, and for some reason, you could also uh, turn into one of the Hammer Bros in that game, and that never made sense to me. But uh, you know, probably it's probably the most well known of all the Super Mario Brothers games. I'd, I'd say at this point, um, probably the most famous of them anyway. And uh, that is Super Mario Brothers three. Now we're getting on to Mike Pison. Mike Ty- Mike Pison. Mike Pison. He's not. He's he's a he's a Mike Pison is a white boxer who is very short and speaks eloquently. Uh, Mike Tyson, on the other hand, we all know is the African American um, former heavyweight champion of the world who who speaks not not eloquently. He tries. He tries. But um. But um, we're gonna get into Mike Mike Tyson's punch out right now, and um, you know I'm talking about the original one, the original Mike Tyson's punch out for the Super for, for the Nintendo, you know from 1987, not not Super Punch Out from '84, not Punch Out from '84, not the uh, Punch Out games from '94 or '99 or '09, um, you know, and we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the characters, like uh, you know Bald Bull, everyone remembers Bald Bull. He was a, like a bald Turkish boxer. I think he was from Istanbul, they said. Um, I might be wrong. And he fights uh, your, the main character, who's Little Mac. Little Mac is, uh, you know, basically a stereotypical uh, Rocky Balboa guy. He's from the Bronx. Uh, you know, he's quite short, which is why he's called Little Mac. And, um, you know, he he, he has, uh, a, he's basically an underdog. He's an allegation for Rocky Balboa, basically. Um, you know, then there was Glass Joe. Who was the first op- opponent? I think in the uh, in in the original game, uh, and uh, he 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 was he, he was pretty much a coward, and he had a glass jaw. You know, I think he's one of the most well-known characters in the in the series. Uh, Great Tiger, Great Tiger was the Indian boxer. Remember, he was uh, you know, he he was uh, he had the skin of a Bengal tiger. He he had like a Bengal tiger hang, hanging in his uh corner and he wore a turban that uh, had the jewel on it and when the jewel started glowing that's when you knew he was going to attack and that you had to dodge um you know he was very very typical stereotypical and kind of racist to look at you know all these characters were um very very like racially influenced based by their stereotypes um for example like soda popinski um you remember soda popinski was the russian guy from moscow uh, he was bald, and um, his original name, I'm not sure if many people know this, was Vodka Drunkinsky. Vodka Drunkinsky, instead of Soda Popinski, they changed it to Soda Popinski, so that way they didn't have to deal with uh, the drinking, uh, any backlash for the, the um, you know, the alcohol use name. But uh, he became Soda Popinski, and originally Mac would punch a soda bottle out of his hand, but that was supposed to be a vodka bottle. Um, and when when he got bad when he got mad he would throw um, rapid uppercuts. Um, I think Don Flamenco was still there. Yeah, there was Don Flamenco, King Hippo. Uh, King Hippo was the one that you had to punch in the the X on his stomach. And um, he uh, you know he he would fall down. 
and he couldn't get back up. All you had to do was knock him down. Uh, one, all, all you had to do was knock him down once, and he couldn't get up. And then, of course, we got uh, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was uh, the final opponent in the game for the uh, NES version, titled Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Um, he was undefeated and the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world in the game, because at that point in time, I believe he was in real life. Um, and remember, if uh, for those of you who got far enough to fight Mike Tyson, during the first 90 seconds of the fight, any attack Tyson hits you with can instantly knock you down. Like, he'd hit you once with just like a jab, and you'd go down. So, I mean, a lot of losses to Mike Tyson via TKO in that game. I, I actually was able to beat the whole game, including Mike Tyson, one time. One time. And uh, uh, no one no one to this day believes me that I did it, because they said it was too hard. But uh, it involved a lot of time with uh, my game almost overheating because I would play well into the night and then hit pause in the middle of a fight so that way I could go to sleep and then I'd wake up and unpause the game and continue fighting. And it took it took forever. It took like four or five days, but I actually did it. And, uh, you know, I, I remember that. That was like one of my proudest achievements in video game history is defeating Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, and, uh, okay, well, that's that. That's Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! and Super Mario Brothers. And, uh, you know, something I've been wanting to talk about uh, a little bit, too, is um, as a wrestling fan, I watched the Ultimate Deletion uh, this past Monday on Raw with, uh, you know, Matt Hardy versus Bray, Bray Wyatt and the Ultimate Deletion at the Hardy Compound. And I've got a lot to say about that, but I'm not going to talk about it yet. I'm going to save that for for last. Save the best for last, they say. Um Right now, I'm going to talk about what butts are for, like the human butt, you know, including the the butt cheeks and the the posterior. Uh, I'm going to talk about what they do and what it's what they're for. Um, you know, it, it's and I'm not to keep in mind. I'm not talking about the anus or like shitting or anything like that. I'm talking about just the butt, the butt itself, butt cheeks. And you know, it's you can find out on your own what are butt cheeks for. So here we go. We're going to look this up together. We're going to find out what butt cheeks are for. Okay, so the word butt means to thrust head first, but that's not what I'm talking about. We want to talk about what butts are for. So, you know, butts are, uh, you know, what you sit on. They're your posture. I guess it's just some sort of padding for sitting on uh, sitting on your tailbone to, t- to uh, you know, get your tailbone all guarded from being broken or damaged so you know you got padding there not many people have uh, butts uh, or everybody's got a butt but not many people have like you know the most well padded butts which is why i guess we decided to sit on soft couches instead of rocks but um you know it also it's 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 designed to protect your tailbone but you know here's what butts do they they fart they 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 expel gas from inside the body they they expel uh solid waste from inside the body you can uh, most butts are a, are a source of good comedy, you know, anything from the plumber's butt all the way up to, you know, calling somebody like a butt head, as, as old as that is. But, uh, you know, that's what butts are for, and that's what they do. What Here's some things that butts are not for, but people still use them for. Butts are not traditionally used for, for sex, but people still do that. Uh, butts are not used for... Uh, chugging beer, but apparently that's become popular over the years, uh, the old butt chug, and I don't know where it originated, I just know that it is disgusting, and you're never going to get me to put beer or anything, for that matter, in my butt. But, um, you know, butts are a universal symbol 
that I think everybody can 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 agree on is equally as funny as it is disgusting. And um, a little tidbit for anybody that's ever drawn drawn a heart, the the a traditional heart shape, like the kind people dot their eyes with in high school. That was actually based off of the female posterior bending over. So anytime you you, you dot your uh, eyes with a little heart, you're actually dotting it with a little ass. So enjoy that. Um, okay. Um, moving on, I watched this show recently on television. Uh, it's called Forged in Fire, and I, I love it. It's it's you know it got uh, like steel workers, and they come in and they like uh, professional forgers, and they come in and they forge knives and swords and everything from like traditional weapons from history, and then they compete by testing their forged weapon against another opponent's forged weapon in not combat but in simulated combat against you know like uh like they have to chop like through a pig corpse or you know cut through some bamboo reeds which are very hard to cut through and some sugar cane which is very hard to cut through and whoever's weapon holds up the most gets a check for ten thousand dollars and um you know i've been watching a lot of this and everything and it, it occurred to me that like i could see this being like done in prison like forge and fire prison shank edition and you get like um you get like a few inmates and you bring them on the show and you'd be like okay and inmates here are your supplies you have one hour to create the best prison shank go and then they would and uh then they could test their prison shanks in various uh prison riot simulated situations and the best prison shank the the person that wins i guess would get a reduced sentence I don't know what you'd offer somebody who's a current prisoner, or maybe former prisoners. That way, they could get like a like a check to like get better, get back on their feet after getting out of jail or something like that. And you know, best prison shank wins. So I want to see that happen. Um, I want to see the Forge and Fire Prison Shank Edition, and I want to see the uh, CSI Muppet version, Crime Scene Investigators Muppets, and see how that goes. Um, okay, last but not least, last but not least, I'm going to talk about the ultimate deletion. Uh, so the ultimate deletion was, uh, uh, like, a, I guess you could say it was a gimmick match between Matt Hardy and, um, Bray Wyatt that happened at the Wyatt, uh, the Wyatt compound, as they call it. And, um, it just really showed how crazy the two characters of Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy are, and Woken Matt Hardy are becoming. Um, I did like the little cameo by uh, Jeff as in his brother Nero incarnation for the, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess it was supposed to be a figment of Bray Wyatt's imagination at the end, but we'll, we'll get to that. So you get Bray Wyatt and he's on the uh, the Hardy uh, compound and they, they're fighting and they're basically just fighting like in the yard and like in parts of the woods. And then every time they'd go to a different area of Matt Hardy's yard, it had like some significant name, like the Dome of Deletion and uh, the the Lake of Reincarnation and stuff like that. And uh, particularly, what stood out to me is how, uh, aside from how crazy this was, was the entertainment value. Like I couldn't not turn away. It was like watching a train wreck, but a, a very entertaining train wreck. Like they they're in the quote unquote Dome of Deletion, which is just basically a large garage, and it's got a wrestling ring in it. And there was an old old-timey wheelchair, which I guess was just there for posterity and to look creepy, and then a lawnmower, like a riding mower, and so Matt Hardy attacks Bray Wyatt, and he knocks him down, and he then stands there. Instead of doing the logical thing and making a cover and winning the match, he he, he stands there and does his Matt Hardy laugh where he's like, ah, ha, 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 
and then he 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 proceeds to I guess he's having a conversation between himself and the uh, the two objects. He's like, chair of the wheels, mower of the lawn. Chair of the wheels, mower of the lawn. He's trying to decide between them, uh, whichever one stands out to him more. And he goes with the lawnmower. And then the, the camera is just a close-up shot of his face. Like, his face takes up the whole screen. And it's just him just making these, I guess you could say they're like a combination of, of like crazy people laughs and like exasperation and orgasm faces while he um, attempts to run Bray Wyatt over with the lawnmower. Then the camera goes back to a wide shot and it shows Bray Wyatt standing up perfectly fine in front of the lawnmower, smiling. And uh, he clotheslines Matt Hardy off the off the off the um, off the riding mower, and it was ridiculous. And I I think I I do not think that I have been more entranced in anything that the WWE has put out out there on for for viewership like I have in years, like I have with this Ultimate Deletion. It was the most ridiculous yet encapsulating thing I have ever seen in pro wrestling. Um, I don't think I could sit through the whole thing again, but at the same time, I don't think I'll be forgetting about it anytime soon. It was uh, it was as crazy as the old uh, Booker T and Gold Dust tag team. Um, and it was, it was amazing. And I really hope that, uh, you know, I, I think it was all done to set up the uh, return of Jeff Hardy and uh, the end of the Bray Wyatt feud, which I was hoping we'd go through WrestleMania, but uh, I guess not. Anyway, uh, also there was um, Bray, when Matt Hardy at one point goes to hide underneath a boat. Uh, Bray Wyatt goes and flips over the boat. First, he att- first he grabs the the drone that's flying around and uh, threatens it because you know the drone has feelings, and he's like, "I'll deal with you later." And I guess that's to make him look threatening, but it's just it's a piece of equipment, so it's not threatening at all. And uh, then he goes and he flips over the boat Matt Hardy hit under, and uh, Senor Estrada, who I guess is just a Mexican worker, is underneath the boat, and he just starts singing, "I got the whole world in." He's got the whole world in his hands to uh, Bray Wyatt and. You know, that's when Jeff pops up, but uh, it was very entertaining, but a lot of it made no sense. There was very little continuity to the whole thing, which I think made it that much more entertaining to me. Anyway, that being said, this was a fun episode to do. I'm glad to have done it. Before I let you go, uh, check out a fireside chat with Ryan McCormick. Check out the uh, McSauce comic book podcast with Ian, Paul, and Matt. Check out uh, Justin Case or case in point with Justin Case. Um, also, check out the uh, I Shake My Head podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I Shake My Head podcast with Lisa and Sam. It's actually pretty funny. They are on Podbean. And uh, they've got uh, a lot of funny episodes on there as well. Until next time, folks, this has been the Element of Surprise. Thank you for sticking with me. And uh, thank you for waiting for as long as you have for the next episode. Uh to come out that being said i've got a lot of ideas for the next one coming up check out the facebook page check out the element of surprise group join the group um and be part of the eos army until then this is chadwick j suet and uh cue the fucking bear music
you